Welcome to the Swinging Wake podcast. We are your grim grinning hosts, Alex and Chris, here to talk about Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion and other Disney happy hunts. Come with us on this journey into regions beyond. to start out this episode with recent news from the Haunted Mansion. The Haunted Mansion has been closed now for a couple weeks for the extensive refurbishment. Disneyland News Today posted some pictures of the themed construction walls around the mansion. The themed walls contain art from the mansion, including the portraits from the Hall of Portraits. What's interesting about these is that they contain a lenticular effect, much like how the portraits change within the attraction. In addition to the portraits, There are quotes from the attraction, some crypts, and the concept art for the new queue and gift shop. The one interactive element to this is that Disney added a QR code for guests to scan that sends them to the Snapchat PhotoPass feature on the Disneyland app. Now, Chris, didn't you just go to Disneyland? Did you see any of this? I haven't been since last Monday, and I only went to see Liberty and then I left. So okay. I didn't stay for very long. Okay. Yeah. Just checking to see if you saw any of this. Cause like, I, I think it's so cool when they always add like little special details on the construction walls. Cause you know, you can just put up a construction wall and just have a plane, but just love how Disney goes like the extra mile and puts like the little cool haunted mansion stuff on there. That is cool. I actually didn't even go anywhere near the mansion. If I had, I probably would have looked, but I didn't even go over there. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Disney's new cruise ship, the Disney Treasure, makes its maiden voyage on December 21st, 2024. This cruise ship will include something we are all looking forward to, a Haunted Mansion lounge. You can click on the link in the show notes where you can see all the amazing little details. One thing in particular we want to point out is that there will be a new character slash ghost present in the ship. The captain is a jovial captain who entered the ghostly realm after a disastrous dinner with his beloved fiance. This is really exciting because it shows how the Haunted Mansion can also take place outside the parks. We kind of got a little bit of that like within the Haunted Mansion movie, not saying it's always like in the Haunted Mansion itself. But anyway, the lounge will also get its own soundtrack, which not only do we get a Haunted Mansion themed lounge, we also get new merch, a new character and a soundtrack. I mean, how cool is all this stuff? I'm really excited. I actually haven't even seen pictures of this yet, so I'm going to have to go check out our show notes. Yeah, and like I've never been on a cruise ship. I'm not sure if you have. I can't remember if you told me or not. I Yeah, I actually went on a cruise for my honeymoon. That was my first cruise. Oh, that's so awesome. But It like, was this not is... a Disney cruise, though. So. Oh, okay. But, but still, I mean, this is pushing me towards like I need to go on a Disney cruise now. So um, I'll have to check it out once it finally sets sail. We should go on a swinging week cruise yes we got to do that and then this is also giving me very much of the haunted mansion airbnb vibes you know yes i definitely support that that's about 15 minutes from where i live so we should definitely go all right we got stuff on our to-do list (laughs) yep (laughs) although we just started the new year it seems like halloween and christmas are already being discussed lowe's home improvement stores have released a sneak peek of their new halloween line this includes a master gracie tombstone 
and the headless knight animatronic that is featured in the Haunted Mansion graveyard. Also featured is a Miss Kitty tombstone and a freestanding Haunted Mansion column. The column is six feet tall and resembles the pair of columns outside the mansion. This item includes the Haunted Mansion plaque. Hallmark has also released some sneak peeks to their ornament lineup this year. A photo posted on social media shows Constance the Bride, the singing bus, the caretaker with his dog, Victor Geist, the organ player, Madame Leota, the coffin in the conservatory, and the Walt Disney World mansion. Some of these ornaments were released last year, but it's very nice to see they are expanding the line. We only wish they would have the Disneyland version of the mansion. Okay, so have you seen these in real life? I mean, not the new ones coming out, but the ones from last year. No, I have to confess, I am not really a merch person. I can't afford to buy all the merch because I go to the parks way too often. So I actually don't really keep up with merch. Not like you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no worries. I am a merchaholic, I guess you can say. Anything that's Haunted Mansion or anything really special Disneyland related, I buy the merch for. I mean, you should have seen my cart at Run Disney. But uh, anyway, like I, I really love these and I almost bought them last year. It's just, it's a lot of money to spend, but I think they're really high quality. Uh, they also light up and they can synchronize as well. And, and like we said, the one thing I wish they would do would be the Disneyland version of the mansion because right now it's just the Walt Disney World, which is pretty still awesome. But again, I want the classic mansion. I agree. I like the look of our mansion better. That's just yeah. my opinion. No, of course. Just a reminder that Tuesday, February 13th, 2024 at 7 a.m. Pacific time, which is, I believe, a day after we post this episode, um, is the opening for the general registration for the 2024 Disneyland Halloween Half Marathon Weekend. Club Run Disney members were able to purchase their tickets on February 6th. Check out our last episode for more information on the races, including the Haunted Mansion-themed 10K. I know I thank James over at Concierge in the last episode, but he is truly my go-to guy for booking Disney trips and special events. He helped me get into the Run Disney Half Marathon last time, and I'm putting all my faith in him for getting me into the Halloween half marathon. I mean, no pressure, James. You're hearing this. I appreciate everything. I just wanted to tell you how awesome you are. If you need someone to help you plan your next Disney trip, check out Concierge. They have helped me plan multiple trips to Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Not only can they help you find the best deal to book your Disney vacation, but they can also help with dining reservations, themed entertainment, and much more. Also, they can help you with booking special events such as Disneyland After Dark events and Run Disney events. And you know what's really cool is they, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I think it's really cool they do all the waiting for you. So they wait in the online queue. They talk on the phone to Disney reps. They basically do all the, you know, footwork for you. So you don't have to spend that time doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, before I used concierge, I was a big, you know, I love planning my Disney trip. This is back when I lived in the Midwest, where I would only go once or twice a year, go for five, six days at a time. I would love, you know, booking my reservation, doing the dining, everything like that. But then it kind of got to a point where I would just like either forget to do it or just didn't have the patience or time. And James over at concierge, you know, he hooked me up a, a long time ago. And since then, I've used him uh, for anything. And especially, 
the run Disney events because it's very nerve wracking to try to get into the run Disney events and register for that. So he does all the waiting for you. And it's always such a sigh of relief when you get that text from him saying, hey, I got you in. That's awesome. So if if our listeners would like to visit concierge, where would they find yeah. So, I mean, you can visit their website at Concierge. And again, that's Concierge as in Mickey ears, but C-O-N-C-I-E-A-R-S.com. So Concierge.com to have them plan your Disney vacation and tell them that the Swinging Wake sent you because I've already told James that we're letting him know uh, that we're sending people over. So if you need any type of planning, head on over to Concierge. We'll be posting a link in the show notes for all the news that we discussed. So if you wanted to check out anything that we just talked about, head over to the show notes to find out the links. Um, Now on to this episode's discussion topic. Welcome, foolish mortals. For this discussion topic, we want to discuss the opening date for the Haunted Mansion attraction. The Haunted Mansion was an attraction more than a decade in the making. The facade had sat empty since 1963 no doubt generating intense interest as to what ghostly secrets lie inside. Besides the 1964-65 World's Fair, which drew Imagineers' attention away from Disneyland projects, Walt's death in 1966 also led to a stall in the project. When work on the show building stalled, Marty Sklar wrote a plaque referring to the mansion as a ghost retirement home. The Haunted Mansion opened its doors to guests on August 9th, 1969. Now, this date can cause some debate within the Haunted Mansion fandom. Technically, the mansion opened to all guests on August 12th, 1969. Uh, We'll dive a little bit deeper into that coming up. But before we discuss the opening day of the attraction, let's talk about how the mansion came to be. Walt Disney had always wanted to have some kind of haunted house attraction at Disneyland. You can see this with early artwork by Imagineer Herb Ryman for Disneyland investors in 1951. So I watched Fresh Baked Secrets and History of the Haunted Mansion, and according to Fresh Baked, the idea for the mansion goes all the way back to the original concept art for Walt's original theme park idea for the space in Burbank across from his studio. This idea was scrapped when the city of Burbank rejected his proposal, and then Anaheim became the chosen space for his park. As you know, the mansion was not an opening day attraction. Some say Walt got inspiration for a haunted house attraction for when he would take his daughters to the haunted house at the Beverly Park Amusement Center in Beverly Hills. Early concept art by Harper Goff shows the mansion being a rundown estate accompanied by a church and graveyard. Now, Imagineer Ken Anderson was assigned to go off this concept art to create a story for the attraction that would be located in New Orleans Square. After going through multiple New Orleans architecture designs and old plantation designs, Anderson got his idea for the facade from an image of the Shipley Lidecker House in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, he envisioned this antebellum manor with its overgrown dead plants, boarded up windows, and a screeching cat weather vane. However, Walt rejected this concept because he didn't want a run-down building in his park and wanted something that would resemble an elegant estate while the ghosts would take care of the inside. Ken Anderson actually got some inspiration by visiting the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. I also saw that the Evergreen House in Baltimore, as well as Stanton Hall, a Mississippi plantation, were an inspiration for the facade as well. You know, I I just love just that style of the mansion, too. Like, 
you saw some examples like I know like things I've seen weren't based, you know, like people didn't look at the mansion and base it off that. But it's just I love that New Orleans like antebellum architecture. It's just every time I see it, just love it. I do, too. I don't quote me on this, but I think it's called Greek Revival. I think I read that. Yeah, but I can't remember. Well, I love it. (laughs) So um, very pretty. Yes. And then should we tell our listeners about our trip planned for the end of March? I think we should. We should tell them at the beginning of next episode, though. Okay, so stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Many stories were developed for the mansion. The earliest concept would include a pirate named Captain Gore. The famed pirate would retire in his mansion in New Orleans, where he would change his identity to become a sea merchant and marry a bride. The bride would meet her demise by her snooping around in the attic and finding out his true identity as Captain Gore. The other victims of Captain Gore's pirating would come to haunt him in the mansion and eventually would cause Gore to meet his demise. We can kind of see that concept today at the end of the stretching room, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that, I mean, it is. I think it's one of the darkest parts of the mansion. It's a hanging, you know, it's definitely not yeah. something you would put in a park for kids. But I think that Disney has kind of always played with the idea of dark ideas um, that juxtapose like the happy place that Disneyland is. I mean, look at Mr. Toad's wild ride. You literally go to hell at the end of that ride. You die and go to hell. Yeah. So that's a new idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what would you do or what would you think? What would you think other people would do if they remove that portion of the stretching room, that scene? Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's I think for me, it's comparable to taking out certain scenes in Pirates, you know, I mean, like way back, I want to say it was the 90s or early 2000s. I can't recall when they took out the men chasing the women. So it's a matter of, I guess, being sensitive to the times in which you live, but also staying true to the story. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And like, I mean, it's such an iconic part of the attraction, but it's also, I think, something where if they didn't show that last, you know, five, 10 seconds of, the, of that clip, I think it'd be fine if they just had the blackout and the screaming. They kind of put two and two together, you know? Right. Like we were just talking about, Walt found this concept a little too dark for children. So back to the drawing board it was. Uh, the next story would include the Blood family and how they would all meet their demise in mysterious circumstances. The Bloodmere Manor was relocated from New Orleans to Disneyland, where guests can tour the haunted estate. Again, Walt thought the concept was a little too dark for children. Anderson kept pitching ideas such as a friendly ghost that would guide them throughout the mansion, and then also a Sleepy Hollow attraction with the Headless Horseman and Ichabod Crane. All of these ideas, though, were rejected by Walt. Anderson then decided to go back to his original department of animating movies and began work on Disney's Sleeping Beauty. Walt then hired Imagineer Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie to help master the special effects and macabre theming. The beauty of the mansion's conception was that it was a true collaboration. That also did create tension on more than one occasion among Imagineers. Yale Gracie designed practical effects in the vaudeville style. Although not sophisticated, his effects have stood the test of time. This includes the use of Pepper's ghost in the ballroom, projection mapping technology in the seance room and the graveyard. 
as well as the inverted bust at the end of the hallway of portraits that appear to follow the guest. Just an aside here, I would love if we did a deep dive on Yale Gracie on our podcast someday. I think he's fascinating. His real life is as interesting as his work at Disney. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for our listeners, but I've heard a few things about Yo Gracie and his life, you know, even before being an Imagineer and doing the Haunted Mansion. So I think that would be a great idea. That's going to be one of our future um, discussions. And I think, you know, we can we have enough material too. we can do a deep dive into each one of the Imagineers that worked on the Haunted Mansion. I agree. Yeah. Um, but kind of jumping back in, they, they both um, talking about, you know, Yo Gracie and Rolly Crump. They both developed a Captain Gore drenched sea captain animatronic with um, special water effects. I wish they would have had some kind of video or something that would have shown this because it sounds amazing. However, they scrapped this idea due to the time it would take to, I guess, reset the animatronic as, you know, either the dune buggies go by or back when it was going to become a walking tour. It would take three to four minutes in between each effect to reset itself. So they just thought, you know, that's just too much of timing to do. So that was scrapped. The exterior and show building of the mansion began development in 1961 and then were completed in 1963. However, the Haunted Mansion project would be put on hold for six years while Walt Disney shifted his focus to the 1964-1965 New York World's Fair. Once the World's Fair concluded, the focus at Disneyland was to install the fair attractions at Disneyland, the reimagining of Tomorrowland, and Pirates of the Caribbean. Work on the mansion would also be delayed due to the passing of Walt Disney on December 15, 1966. The Haunted Mansion attraction had no guidance from Walt on which direction to go to get the mansion open. Different interpretations of what the mansion should be created conflicting ideas. Rolly Crump, who talks a lot about his experience working on the mansion in his autobiography titled It's Kind of a Cute Story, brought the unique and bizarre to the mansion. He initially designed a museum of the weird concept and some of his ideas made it into the mansion, although not in the original way he intended. Claude Coates, one of the two art directors on the project, along with Mark Davis, who really brought the humor to the attraction and to Disneyland in general, at one point had designed a water version of the attraction. Walt himself rejected the idea of a walkthrough attraction. Imagineers Mark Davis and Claude Coates were put as leads on this project. Although they both had a lot of creativity, their ideas would be quite different on how the mansion would operate. Mark Davis is known for his lighter animation and wanted that to reflect in a light storytelling of the mansion with some humor thrown in there. Claude Coates insisted that the mansion be dark and scary because it was called the Haunted Mansion. This is where Exitensio steps in. Exitensio, well known for his work on the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, lended his talent to blend Davis and Coates' idea into a seamless Disney haunted attraction. Exitensio believed in having the Haunted Mansion be a retirement home for ghosts, and this attraction should have a three-act structure. One piece of legacy Exitensio left us was the song Grim Grinning Ghosts, which was written by Exitensio and composed by Buddy Baker. Versions of this song can be heard throughout the mansion. Paul Fries voiced the disembodied ghost host. Now that the concept and story have been established, one big question still remained. Will this be a walkthrough attraction or use a ride-through system? 
Although the 64 World's Fair stalled the development of the attraction, it also gave way to the Omnimover technology that Bob Gurr designed. Disney contributed to the Ford Pavilion at the World's Fair, designing the Ford Magic Skyway, where guests sat in Mustang convertibles that Omni-moved. And I'm pretty sure I made that word up. Um, I don't think Omni-moved is a word, but it was the only way I could describe what happened because nobody was actually driving the Mustang. It was moved along. And I've also seen that, you know, the first time... Omnimover tech was used at Disneyland was Adventures Through Inner Space or sorry, Adventure Through Inner Space. But it was actually used before that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people uh, don't remember that it was used um, in the New York World's Fair. And I personally love the Omnimover system. So I love your little Omnimoved. I love (laughs) I'm going to start using that. That's awesome. Uh, Didn't they also bring the Mustang attraction back to Tomorrowland after the World's Fair? Or am I just imagining that? um, I I don't think they did, but I could be wrong. Because I feel like I've seen it in old Tomorrowland, but I could be really wrong. And again, a disclaimer. Visit yesterland.com. Do you ever go to Yesterland? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Back when I used to do uh, DL Weekly's media posts every Flashback Friday, I would definitely go to Yesterland. I like them as a resource for finding, you know, because there's a lot of things from my childhood where I'm like, did I imagine that or was that a real thing? Yeah, so much nostalgia. I love it. <laughs> um, also, I just wanted to disclaim too, or the disclosure here is that we are not experts. Uh, we are just doing this podcast for fun. So all of this research we've done is just to, you know, provide this for you as listeners. And if we get any facts wrong or anything like that, um, again, don't be mad at us. This is just for fun. With the newly opened Adventure Through Inner Space attraction, using a compact version of the Omnimover because this was seen as the best way to get guests efficiently through the mansion. Imagineers decided to use the attraction vehicles from Adventure Through Inner Space, however, just paint them black. The Imagineers had a naming contest for what the new attraction vehicles should be called. The overall winner was the Doom Buggy, which is the name that we use today, and I personally is my favorite attraction vehicle. Agree with you. Yeah, it's a clever name and it is it's a comfy little vehicle. And it's also cool because the Omnimover technology allows a high capacity on the traction. So it's also really efficient. And the built in speakers is amazing. I just I want to quickly share when I brought my high school friend to Disney during our senior year trip. He was so amazed that this attraction vehicle had built-in speakers. So like each person's getting their own narration. It's not like you're listening to this big speaker, you know, out in the open. Like each person has their own little ghost host with them. That is true. And the onboard audio is so critical to the attraction that if it's not working, that's a condition for the attraction to go down. Opening day arrives at Disneyland with cast member previews happening August 7th and 8th, 1969. The attraction opened to guests on August 9th. Many media campaigns were promoting the newly opened Haunted Mansion on the radio, news, and print media. Disneyland promoted the attraction on park maps as well. There was even a special ice cream, not ice cream, but ice cream Sunday you could get at Disneyland. A theme park attraction would not be complete without the merchandise. 
The one attraction souvenir that stands out the most is a small personalized tombstone that guests could customize and become the thousandth resident of the Haunted Mansion. Oh my God. I wish they still had that. You know, I I would get that in a second if they still had that. Oh my gosh. Such a big moneymaker. And the one place I've actually seen these is um, Bob Gurr. I'm not sure if you follow him, but we follow him on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. So he he has a bunch of merchandise. I mean, it's not like official Disneyland merchandise. I mean, some is that he autographs, but I saw, I'm not sure if he's still selling them, but he had, was selling replicas of these opening day tombstones and uh, had a thousand, I think a thousandth guest or a thousandth resident for the Haunted Mansion. And I was so tempted to buy one because they're just so awesome and it would be perfect for my Haunted Mansion display. That is very cool. I wish they would bring that back that you could yes. personalize. Definitely. So although the attraction opened to guests already, a press preview happened on August 11th, 1969. This would include multiple people from the press getting wined and dined at Club 33. And then at the stroke of midnight, they would be ushered by a tour guide to the Haunted Mansion. Disney's Haunted Mansion was a raving success. The Long Beach Independent wrote... So the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, which opened with appropriately spectral rites at midnight Monday, is a horrifying delight. Now, the weekend after the official opening, the park had record-breaking attendance. 82,516 guests made their way to Disneyland that weekend to get a peek inside the long-awaited Haunted Mansion attraction. An interesting fact that I learned from watching both part two of the Imagineering story and the Haunted Mansion episode of Behind the Attraction are that both Kurt Russell and a very young Donny Osmond filmed a promotional video for the opening of Mansion. Have you seen this, Alex? Yes. So I've always seen the little like preview they show during, uh, you know, the Disney Plus shows, but I actually found it on YouTube and I watched the whole thing. You did. Oh, and isn't it weird how Walt Disney had a Kurt Russell connection, especially like around the time of his death? I don't know if you've heard that. I guess he wrote Kurt Russell's name on a piece of paper and they found it. And it was like one of the last things that he wrote before he died. And nobody really knew, including Kurt Russell, why his name was written down by Walt Disney. That is very interesting. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's strange. He was probably maybe referencing some future project or something. I also wanted to mention a couple of other interesting facts here before we conclude. One is based on my time working at the mansion. So this does contain a spoiler if you want to keep the mystery of the mansion alive. The stretching rooms, which are really act one of the unfolding mansion story, are hydraulic lifts that transport guests down to the portrait hallway where you transition from the facade that you enter through into the show building where the attraction is actually housed. And this is not something that violates my NDA because you can look it up, you can Google it and see the facade and then you can see this show building in back of the facade. It's actually on the other side of the berm. So you have to travel underneath the Disneyland Railroad to get to it. The other fun fact is that One of my favorite Haunted Mansion pieces, the hearse, it was actually Imagineer Tony Baxter's idea to have the horseless carriage give the effect of a ghost horse pulling the hearse, at least according to Fresh Bakes' David Erickson. The hearse wasn't acquired until the 1990s, so this makes sense, at least on the timeline. 
And I also wanted to mention the Hatbox Ghost here. The Hatbox Ghost was original to the mansion, but didn't stay long due to the effect not working as intended. It wasn't until many years later that Imagineer Daniel Joseph brought the Hatbox Ghost back and restored the effect to its original intention. And for my final note, I'll briefly mention the Haunted Mansion at Magic Kingdom in Florida. Although it opened a full two years after its West Coast counterpart, duplicates of every prop piece were built at the same time as they were developed for our mansion, with the intention that the attraction would be replicated in the Florida park. And it is, except for the facade, which is vastly different. Yes. I mean, how smart of them. That'd been like so cool to see like the warehouse where they keep like the duplicates, you know? That would be cool. Yes. Thank you for that interesting information towards the end. I didn't kind of know some of that. So thank you for that. No worries. Well, listeners, this concludes our episode about the Haunted Mansion's opening day in 1969. We would love to hear your feedback. You can email us at feedback at swingingwakepodcast.com or feel free to leave a comment on our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. Also, would you be so kind as to leave us a five-star review when you listen to the podcast? It really helps our podcast get noticed so other foolish mortals can find us as well. Until next time, foolish mortals, we hope you all have a delightfully unlivable time until you return for our next episode of the Swinging Wake podcast. Hurry back. (laughs) 